Now, here are your hosts of Life Song Radio. Hello and welcome to Life Song Radio. My name is Phil Ramsey. I have my co-host with me here today, Blake Shankle. Good to have you here with us. Good to be here, Phil. I just feel weird. I feel like somebody's in the room. I don't know what to... Can you feel that? What's up? <laughs> Got a guest today. Shane Hartsfield, our pastor. Shane, we, we told you a couple weeks ago or months that we, you know this this is sponsored. Our radio is sponsored by Beaver Baptist. This is, in fact, a an outreach ministry of Beaver Baptist Church, and we're so thankful to have our pastor along with us, our faithful leader, Shane Hartsfield. Shane, good to have you here. Man, it's good to be here. Finally, I got it. Finally got an invite to come. So yeah, we've been inviting for five years now. <laughs> you were on here back in the day. You were on here. You remember that one yeah, time do, you were on I here? I do. I do. Back when Handsome Jimmy was was heading yeah. up the show, yeah. he was here. Yeah, it's 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 a delight to be here, guys. Yeah, Shane is. Uh, he he has a huge schedule, busy schedule. He not only does he preach on Sundays, but he's. I mean, he's constantly pastoring people. People are just nagging him. Not on on top of us. On top of everybody else. Just uh, he's he's biblically counseling. He's teaching. He's he's just doing what a pastor does. So his schedule is busy. So for us to be able to get him in here is a uh, joy, and we're thankful to have you here today. And the reason why we have him here is because this is kind of our Easter special. We wanted to look at uh, a a thirty thousand foot view of 35 the, 35 okay we're going to climb a little bit we want to look at this this story of the bible uh it's not a, a lot of times we, we we try to interject ourselves so much into the bible when we, we we see this as a old testament new testament and you know they're kind of they're uncohesive you know they're just just i don't you know that's that old testament you know we want to unhitch from that but the really the the story the bible the story of the bible is a story of redemption it's a story of rescue the bible is god's history book Book, telling us how that the plan of redemption unfolded. Everything we read in the Bible is ultimately about God's plan to forgive rebels, right, through Jesus Christ. And in this next 30 minutes, or 29 minutes, if you will, we want to take you through, mm-hmm. Phil says, 35,000-foot view uh, of, of the scarlet thread, yeah. which is woven throughout the Bible. So, Phil, kick us off. All right. Let's start. Uh, I got a good idea. Let's start in the beginning. That's good. Genesis? Gen- yeah, let's go to Genesis. In uh, Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So over a period of six days, God created everything. And on the sixth day, he created, it was the pinnacle of his creation. It was it was man. Verse 26 said, then God said, let, uh, let us, I like that. Mm-hmm. We're getting a little glimpse of mm-hmm. Trinity. Something marvelous, yeah, Trinity. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So we see man here. He has a what a mind, a will, an intellect. He can choose, as we're going to see. He has emotions. He's made in the image of God. Verse 27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, He created him. Verse 31 says, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. So Adam and Eve, we see, are the first two humans that were that uh, that God created. They walked with God. Wouldn't you like to have been there to do that? First, first people, only two people that could ever say that they walked and talked with God. God had given them the earth, have dominion over everything. Uh, You're free. You know, they're in the Garden of Eden. Just look how beautiful it is. You are free, Adam and Eve, to take of any tree. You're free. Yeah. But 
I just only have one command. I've got one restriction. Verse uh, Genesis 2, 16 says, The Lord commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. So here we have Adam and Eve. They're living in a perfect world. They have no sin in their life. They're able to reflect God's glory because they have no sin. But something happens. Satan approaches Eve, that serpent in the garden. He approaches Eve and he says something to Eve. He, he twists. He takes it. He's really good at this. Takes a little truth hmm. and he twists it. Correct. 3 4 says, Genesis 3 4 says, you, sh- you surely will not die. For God knows that in the, the day you eat from, from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the women saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from it the fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They had one command, and they disobeyed it. By that disobedience, sin and death now enters the world. No longer could Adam and Eve reflect the glory of God back because they were marred with sin. Every part of their body uh, was affected and their life was affected by sin. So what do we see? What do they try to do? They cover themselves. They try to cover their nakedness. I, I would say that's false religion. That's not going to work. But God did something out of his grace and mercy Thank God he did this for them. He did it for us, too. He pursues them, right? He lays out the consequences of their sins and the effects of their sins, but he also gives them a great promise. This is awesome. Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. So God promises that a seed, he will crush the serpent. Who's this he, by the way? Hang on. We're going to get to <laughs> He's going to blow a, a fatal blow to Satan. But the serpent is going to bruise the heel of whoever this seed is. So we'll get to that. But we're, seeing, we're getting a fuzzy picture of a future event uh, unfolding before our eyes. But we see something also beautiful. Genesis 3, 21 says, The Lord God, remember, they covered themselves with fig leaves. It's not going to get it. Verse 3, 21 says, chapter 3, 21 says, The Lord made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed him. Right here is where we're getting the first picture of the gospel. God. Who does it? God does it. He kills an animal. He takes the skin. Notice it didn't say fur. It says skin. You look up the original language. An animal had to die. So he takes the skin and applies it to them and covers his his nakedness. This is a shadowing of a future event. So what do we learn so far? Sin is serious. Sin brings death. Man's efforts to uh, appease the wrath of God are not sufficient. We need, like Adam and Eve, we need God to intervene, and we need a blood sacrifice. Because as we go through scriptures, we're going to see as it unfolds without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. You think things will get better, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, God does his grace and mercy. It's going to get better. No. 
they have a couple kids. <laughs> uh, they have two are they, kids. Are they bad? <laughs> well, one of them is. Okay. <laughs> so Cain and Abel. I'm not going to read the text. I want you, maybe you guys can go read it. But it's in Genesis uh, four two. Uh, Abel was a keeper of the flocks, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. And they brought a sacrifice. One uh, Cain brought. Uh, he brought a grain offering, which yep. really is nothing we see in Scripture. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. But we see also Abel brought a uh, a blood sacrifice, right? And so they had to know. And I was talking to you a few minutes ago. Faith, faith is ultimately not obeying what God had said. So in in this act of uh, of worship and sacrifice, Cain, I mean Abel brought was uh, required and it was pleasing to God, and Cain did not. What does Cain do? He kills his his brother, but what we're seeing here is is another picture. We see this this sacrifice continues, and this sacrifice of this animal uh, it pleases God, but never can remove uh, remove sin. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we want to what we see here. That's right. I mean, we see that that. This creation story, we see it moving through Noah, and we see the great flood. But then we we kind of just we're going to fly over here, and, and, and in the same book in Genesis, approximately two thousand years before Christ, God's shadowy prearranged plan, just like you said, unfolds a bit more with a man named Abram, who was from the Ur of the Chaldeans, originally a moon worshiper. Abram, whose name was later changed to Abraham, was called by God to be the father of a great nation, Israel. God calls him out and he he makes him the father of this great nation right god struck an irrevocable covenant with abraham we we know this as the abrahamic covenant in which god promised that abraham would be provided a land a nation as well as a seed the remainder of the bible then is this story of god making good upon that promise and so the question that, that, that must come to your mind is how is Abraham going to be a father of a great nation when Abraham is well into his 90s, mm. his wife is well beyond childbearing years, right? How are they going to have a, how's he going to be a father of a nation if they can't even have a kid? Well, we see God miraculously giving Abraham and Sarah a child, and this child is named Isaac, right? And so one day, God tested Abraham and the faith of Abraham. God commanded Abraham to do something that he had actually forbidden to do, and that is to sacrifice a human being. God told Abraham to sacrifice his his one son, his precious son, the chosen son, the promised son, right? This one that he's going to make many great nations out of, and he's going to sacrifice them. That, that doesn't make much sense to us. But Abraham traveled to Mount Moriah. The Bible tells us that with Isaac and two of his servants. And in Genesis chapter 22, 5 through 8, we see this account. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked together, you know, Isaac knowing what's fixing to happen or knowing that, hey, we're going to sacrifice something. But Isaac says this, he said to his father, my father, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walk together. So Abraham, he prepares this sacrifice, his son, and God intervenes, much like we see 
in the garden, mm. right? He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing for him for no, now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and he looked and behold, behind him a ram caught within the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. 2,000 years before God's Son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth, God gave us a shadowy picture of the death of another beloved son in Jerusalem, and that would be Isaac. In this shadowy picture, the son was spared. But the next time that we would see a son offered up for a sacrifice, blood would actually be shed. And that, would, that blood would actually be from the Lamb of God who would provide. Yeah. We, the story continues. Isaac, he marries Rebekah. They have twin boys, Esau and Jacob. And Jacob marries Laban's girls, Leah and Rachel. And between those two women and their, their maidservants, 12 sons were born and one daughter. And we know that Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Mm-hmm. He uh, had these 12 sons. These 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, one of his favorite sons, his favorite son, child of Rachel, Joseph was sold into slavery because his jealous brothers, they, they, um, they couldn't handle a favoritism. Um, providentially, he ended up in Egypt. It's, a, it's really interesting, that story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Scripture. Joseph, because the Lord was with him, he ended up in Potiphar's house, and he was falsely accused. He goes to prison. While in prison, he interprets two men's dreams, which led to him interpreting Pharaoh's dream, which led to him becoming ruler of Egypt. Interesting story. You see the, the hand of God, the sovereignty Beautiful. of God. Yeah, incredible story. But you see Joseph eventually reconciling with his brothers that had, that had uh, sinned against him, and he brought his family to Egypt. Now, they are in Egypt for 400 years, mm. and uh, they live in a place called Goshen, and Pharaohs came and went. You know, it's four centuries. And the Pharaoh uh, that put Joseph into power, his predecessors, his or his successors, rather, they didn't know Joseph. And what we see, it's interesting, Blake, you said that Abrahamic covenant, one of the promises of the covenant was he become a great nation. And from Isaac, we, we see that taking place. But you see that glimpse of that here in Egypt when there's a population explosion among the Israelites. They're living in Goshen. They're having children left and right. There's no infertility clinics in Goshen uh, because they are, <laughs> they are producing children. And we see that that's a promise uh, God gave to Abraham. He told Abraham, go out and look up the stars in the sky. That's how, how many children you're going to have. And so we begin to see that promise uh, come to fruition in, in Egypt. But the problem was, the Pharaoh became afraid hmm. of the Israelites because they were so numerous, and so he enslaved them, put them to forced labor. And uh, after years of this, they cry out to the Lord. The Israelites cry out to the Lord, and the Lord hears their cry because they're, uh, they're his chosen people. And God raises up a man named Moses to lead the Israelites out of, out of Egypt. And he tells Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And so Moses does that. Of course, Pharaoh hardens his heart, hardens his heart and he, he denies that request. And so God begins to judge not only Pharaoh but Egypt, and he he starts the plagues or the judgments, and and he turns the water to blood, and and so Moses goes back to Pharaoh again and asks, "Will you, you let my people go?" And 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 he says, "No," and he won't bow the knee to the to the sovereign Lord, and so 
plague after plague occurs. Now, this is happening in Egypt. We're in Goshen. Guess what? No flies, no locusts, no death of livestock, uh, no boils. Uh, they're, they're doing just fine in Goshen. Um, but finally, after the ninth plague, God tells Moses, he says, what's going to happen? I'm going to strike down the firstborn in all the land. And in order to escape this judgment, the Israelite families, what they need to do is they need to kill a lamb. They take that lamb's blood and put it on the doorpost. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass hmm. through Egypt, and I'm going to um, put to death the firstborn in every home. And the Scripture says there wasn't an Egyptian household that, wasn't, that didn't have mourning that night. Wow. And so the lamb that was slaughtered was called, of course, the Passover lamb. Wow. But for those Israelites who trust the Lord and obeyed, God passed over their home, and they escaped the wrath of God. And this, is, this Passover lamb, of course, it's a shadow. We're going to see this, this term Passover lamb come up again here in just a few moments, but it's just, it's just a shadow of what's to come. And, and God commanded them to celebrate this, this event um, every year, and it's, it's called the Passover, a uh, very specific day to remember what God had done for them. So after the tenth plague, by then God had crushed Pharaoh. He bowed the knee. He allowed the Israelites uh, to leave Egypt. They traveled through the Red Sea. They're going to um, the promised land, the land that, that God had promised Abraham. And on the way, a lot of miraculous things happen. He's taking care of his people, but along the way, they stop at Mount Sinai. In Mount Sinai, we see another code, another promise that God uh, made with his people, and that was called the Mosaic Covenant, uh, the promise given to them. And, and what happens, he gives the law. And we see in the Abrahamic uh, covenant, the promise there, you see God promising what he's going to do for the people. But here with the Mosaic Covenant, what you see is God's expectations of his people the law what you're what you're to do what you're not to do but along with that we see these um stipulations regulations for uh, a sacrificial system and he gives specific direction specific commands to the priest on how to go about doing that and one of the days uh, that they uh, began to celebrate along with the passover was called the day of atonement let me tell you a little bit about that day on that day, the priest would take a, a sacrifice into what they called in the temple the Holy of Holies, which was symbolic of God's presence. And with the Day of Atonement, what it addressed was how can sinners approach a holy God? And so this day helped answer that question. They would take that priest, only one priest, he, w- he was chosen among all the Levites. He went into the Holy of Holies, and he made a sacrifice, and that was to be celebrated year after year, year after year. Now, this, too, is a shadow of what's to come. We'll see this um, come up, too, uh, in just a moment. But um, really interesting, really uh, important holiday. We have the Passover, and now, again, you have the uh, Day of Atonement. Again, shadows pointing towards something to come. Absolutely, and we see that in this sacrificial system that God has laid out was lamb, upon lamb upon lamb was the the, the, ultimately the priests were butchers right and so for the next 800 years the children of israel lived up under this sacrificial system this covenant system that god had had cut with them because this system covered 
right, but didn't remove the sins, people still, still lived with their guilt. Despite rivers of blood that flowed from the temple, right, these lamb sacrifices, forgiveness was still longed for. And suddenly, we see upon, uh, 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 throughout the Bible, we see these prophets pop up, right? We see these prophets that are, that are voices for God. And, and now we have this man, Jeremiah, announced this new covenant that would forgive their sins and, and would remove their guilt once and for all, not just cover, but it would forgive them. And we see this in Jeremiah 31, Right, we see this 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 covenant that God cuts with them. He says, "But behold, the days are coming." This is verse thirty-one. Declares the Lord, "When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like in the day I took them by the hand, not like I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, and I will put my law within them and on their heart. I will." Write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and here we go, and their sin I will remember no more. Hmm. God had announced a brand new way to have sins, not just covered, is what we saw in the Old Testament, right? But forgiven. The question is, is how? How is this going to happen? The prophet Isaiah, though, he gives us more than a, a hint, but he, he describes a, a, a coming Messiah. And this being written 600 years before Christ was born, Isaiah 53 says this in verse 2, For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground, and he has no stately form of majesty, that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and he we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried, yet we are ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep, we've gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that was led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before his shears, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off and out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting to him to grief that he would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days in the good pleasure of the Lord or prosper of in his hand. See, seven centuries before Jesus came to this earth, Isaiah announced the Lord's prearranged plan of salvation to sacrifice a spotless lamb for the forgiveness of sins. Man, I love that. That is beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. I got a question. Yes. Where's he at? Where's he at? Yeah, it's a good question. Well, Malachi tells us. The last book of the Bible, Malachi 3 says, Behold, I, I'm going to send my messenger and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts and cut 
400 years of silence. We see a promise. We we hear about a messenger that's going to prepare the way. Guess what happens? He shows up after 400 years of silence where God did not say one word. John 1, 6 says, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Verse 29 says, the next day, he, John the Baptist, he saw Jesus coming to him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Just like his birth was prophesied and he came, so was the beginning of his ministry. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb, he was perfect. He was that spot or blemish. He was God wrapped in flesh. Mm -hmm. Mercy. Yeah. Well, he called his disciples to himself, and he began to minister, and he ministered beginning at age 30 for three years. Mm -hmm. And what did he do? He began to teach. He taught like no one they'd ever heard before. He taught with authority. Mm -hmm. He taught with clarity. He also began to do miracles. He he healed the lame, the blind. He gave the, the deaf hearing. He cast out demons from the demoniacs, and he prepared his disciples. Yeah. For his departure, he told them not only was he going to die, but how he was going to die. He even mentioned how he was going to rise on the third day. Now, last week of his life, the most important part of his ministry, he entered Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday to um, the accolades of many. They had just seen Lazarus raised from the dead, and they're crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And by allowing those pilgrims to to sing that what jesus is doing is he's he's telling them he's declaring i'm the messiah i'm the one to come i'm the son of david up to that point it's real interesting he had it was all hush hush mm-hmm. he would cast out a demon he wouldn't let him speak he would tell him uh, someone that that was healed to go and um and and let the priest see him but don't tell anybody what what has happened so he enters jerusalem the last week of his life he clears the the temple of money changers, of vendors. He um, he rebukes openly and publicly the religious leaders. And what that did is that prompted them to instigated them to um, to do away with Jesus. And so, so how that happened is they arrested him. They put him on a mock trial. Um, they promoted um, this um, false, uh, you could say, uh, a false verdict with Pilate. Pilate um, condemns him to die, and um, he's led away to be crucified. So we see Christ, the Lamb of God that filled, that John talked about, this Lamb of God that is to come and take the sins of the world away, that has been prophesied from the very beginning, this serpent crusher from Genesis 3.15, this proto-euangelion, right? Mm-hmm. This, this, this mention of the gospel, this seed crusher coming here. And remember, what do we say? The serpent is going to what? Strike at his heel. He's mm-hmm. going to do that. We see that here upon the cross. We see this yeah. picture here, right, of Christ yeah. going to the cross, but yet he give himself up. Right, he, this was not something that man did. God, Christ, give Himself up for this, the, the sacrifice, this sin, the Lamb of God. He was spotless. Isaiah, he prophesied of this that He was coming. Yet the Jews wanted nothing to do with Him. In fact, they thought He He was He deserved to die because they thought He was sin sinner. But yet He was sinless. And so this 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 Lamb sacrifice, this is what takes the sins away. 
This is they're, they're, they're the God's full prearranged plan to save rebels, right, has been unfolded, right? This progressive revelation throughout all Scripture, and we see it's culminating within the new covenant in which Christ ratified in the in in the in the uh, upper room, where He says, "This is my new covenant, in which I break the bread and I and I, and we drink the juice." Right? This is for my my body is broken and my blood will be spilled out, and so we see uh, where where Christ has come. God has sent His Son to rescue mm-hmm. us, right? Uh, those that would would trust in him i don't know about you guys but i've been saved by the the, the yeah. blood. well i do know about you guys because you're my pastor but you're my friend but but you've been saved by the blood of god uh, by the blood of christ yeah. the lamb of god the spotless one and to our listeners today phil what would you have to say well, to I mean, them? a lot happened on that hill we got another minute or two but uh, uh he came to accomplish and he did redemption well, he was a substitution. We saw about all these animals dying, dying, that, ne- that discovered sin but never could take it away. Jesus' death takes away sin. Yeah. And, a, and a, you know what? It provides a way of escape because the wages of sin is death. That's the way God's laid it out. Whether you like it or not, okay. the wages of sin is death. Something has to die. Yeah. And here's the deal. If you trust Christ, he has taken your place. And, and he takes your sin and gives you his righteousness. And he accomplished that on that hill that day. How do we know what he accomplished upon the cross was verified with God? He was resurrected. That's key. Passed through the heavens and sits at the right hand of the Father until the time, is com- the time comes. It's been set where he comes back and he gets his people. So the resurrection verifies what he did yeah. upon the cross, that that sacrifice was good. And so I don't know about you, Pastor Phil, if you are clothed in Christ's righteousness, if the blood has been the blood has been spilled out for you, that offering Christ throughout his ministry, he offered, offered invitation after invitation, come to him, right? right? His, his, his yoke is easy. His burdens are light, right? Come to him. Place your faith in him. Put your sins upon him. He said, that's what happened upon the cross. The wrath of God was poured out for those the, on, on the sins for those sins that you have committed if you yeah. have placed your faith in him if you haven't placed your faith in him the the, the wrath of god will be saddled, settled settled one way or the other either it was settled settled on, upon christ upon that cross or it will be settled upon you for all of eternity well we're out of time we, <laughs> it's just this not is a, the fastest 30, yeah, 30 it's minutes just not, it it's just not enough time so but glad, it was good to have you shine yes. hope you yeah. come back you got a good face for tv by the way not <laughs> not as good as guys. me but uh, appreciate you guys letting me on <laughs> next time it. we'll let you talk more <laughs> yep. enjoyed it join us next week for another episode of life song radio